Welcome, everyone, to the Let's Talk ICP podcast. Uh, today, we have with us uh, a special guest, uh, the founder of Signet, Hank Brigham and Jordan Smith, is that the co-founders of Signet. Signet is a decentralized scientific research uh, life science uh, platform that revolutionized the way people do and support science. Uh, it's powered by blockchain uh, technology, uh, by internet computer protocol, and Signet allows uh, retail and institu institutional investors to invest directly in life science research and technology with security and authenticity. That's cool. That's amazing. This is one of the best projects, I think, and the most potential potential project that I see in, in internet computer. Thanks a lot, uh, Hank and Jordan, for, for your time today. No problem. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. Um, yeah, as always, I'm so curious about your background, your experience before to found Signet, before to start everything, how you meet yourselves and, and how you start all these uh, things before. Uh, I know you are like a totally different background and I'm so curious to know more about you and the audience for sure. Yeah, so we, we definitely do have a sort of a, a non-standard background to be working in life sciences research. Um, however, the way I, I got into this was actually quite a few years ago when my second son was born, um, almost seven years ago now. And he came down very shortly after being born with something called eczema herpeticum. And it is a pretty... Um, scary looking skin condition that is normal eczema that gets infected with the herpes virus. And we didn't know what it was. We'd had to go to a couple different doctors to get a diagnosis. But then once it was diagnosed, they gave us an antiviral cream that worked in four days. And it was very few times in my life have I've seen medicine work that quickly and be somebody be cured of something. And so I was very, I was very surprised and impressed with it. And the drug is called a And that actually was invented by a lady named um, Gertrude Elion, who was born almost a hundred years prior to my son, Solomon. And she was a Nobel prize winner in physiology and medicine, one of 12 women who have been and a genius. And it took her 17 years to develop this drug. And in fact, it takes 17 years for life sciences research on average to go from in the lab to real life. And I was thinking about like how long it takes to for, for this kind of, these kinds of life-changing innovations to happen and I was thinking about that, in fact, all through my MBA program, which I, I completed in, in 2021. And this was during COVID as well. And so I was really shocked because this was on my mind when the RNA vaccines for COVID-19 came out so quickly because I had just really been thinking hard about the fact that they were slow. And then all of a sudden it was fast this time. And, um, but, you know, it's not great that it takes the combined might of all of the world's scientific labs and all of the world's governments to come up with a single, a single vaccine, right? So I realized that something 
could be done quickly. We just had to figure out sort of what levers to pull and what things to do to make it so that it, that could be done much more regularly. So between my business background, I, at my MBA, I specialized in, in strategic thinking, startup entrepreneurship, US business law and blockchain technology. Um, and a previous career in investment advisory, I, I've kind of brought this information to bear on a new problem, um, which is how I got introduced to Hank um, through one of my previous um, cohort mates at the MBA program. And she introduced me to Hank and then I'll, you know, things took off and I'll turn it over to Hank for his intro. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, so I'm Hank. I've been a software engineer for going on seven years now. Um, I have a background in economics, went to the University of Texas, go Horns, and have been in the Web3 space for about two years. As Jordan said, we met through one of his former colleagues. And when I heard about the prospect of Signet, I was immediately excited because of the philanthropic aspects of the opportunity just being able to accelerate science and give our you know species a better chance of survival yeah. um but yeah we've been at this for almost two years now and we're really excited to be here today and talk about our project mm -hmm. and how the idea of signet comes about because for me like science and blockchain this is something like is coming to my mind. If, if I'm thinking in, in, in the future and I'm thinking in, in science and then blockchain, uh, artificial intelligence, this type of things, I think is um, something like we can do a lot to progress and a lot to improve in this uh, type of uh, uh, technologies and business. When we're thinking about uh, uh, blockchain, we think more in, in, in money, right? In, in business, in DeFi, um, social media platforms, this type of business, but not in, in science. And we have a lot, and it's like a huge, uh, um, it's like at the height hem of the blockchain is science, right? And, and yes, I'm curious, like how the uh, signed idea comes about and, and because you met together and then why you decided to uh, start something related with science? Because uh, you, uh, Hank, have more technical background and Jordan have more finance background. Um, it's yeah, so it, for me, it was really just about once I started looking at how science, how long it took for science to get done, specifically life sciences research and, and and what the factors were that were blocking it. Clearly it's not commitment by the scientists themselves to get their work done. They probably, I'm sure they want to do it more than anybody. Um, but I just started getting really frustrated by that because I look at the future a lot. I am very um, excited about emerging technologies and I am very passionate about longevity and I want those things things to happen fast <laughs> and partly it's maybe self-serving a little bit but for the most part it's because I just have this great vision of a, a world where uh, scientific research gets done in a matter of months not decades and I truly believe that life sciences research specifically is one of 
is going to be one of the biggest influencers on the future path of, of our species. And so, you know, it's, it's certainly not my original uh, background that made me get on this, but rather my passion for it that put me on this path. And when I started talking to Hank about my ideas, which admittedly two years ago were not nearly as well formed as they are now, but we, I was just talking to him about like, there's got to be ways that we can come up with software to solve some of these problems. And I was listing out what turned out to be basically all of the hallmark benefits of blockchain technology. Uh, I hadn't even considered it at first. And Hank was the one who said, what you're saying is already there in most blockchain technologies. And by the way, the internet computer protocol is the one that we should be doing it on. Um, so it was not so much of a leap to get to science for me because it's been something that I was paying attention for a long time to, but rather it, the leap to, um, web three was, was the big decision factor and getting into, you know, decentralized science or DSI. Um, if you're curious about what brought us to the internet computer specifically, I think probably Hank would be a, a great person to respond to that. Yeah. So just in vetting uh, like potential blockchain solutions, it became pretty clear that ICP was the best candidate for us just because it allows us to provide a heightened experience to users. It's more secure, scales infinitely. Um, you can store files and just standard data on the chain. Um, so it's really extensible and um, flexible as well. Yeah, so we love ICP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd also say too that once I started looking at it, I was extremely impressed with how much of their resources they put into making it better all the time. And as we've seen just recently with how quickly the pace of AI technology is, you know, every single week or, or even more frequent than that, there is a new development somewhere happening on that. And I think that if with the internet computers and Definity's uh, vision of a world computer and the blockchain singularity, it's extremely important to stay on top of technological advancements. They've been dedicating lots of resources to research and development. And every time something new pops up, it's like, oh, that is something that is going to help us with building what we're building. And it's just been a really great ecosystem to be a part of especially with the generosity that they've they've given us with with two developer grants on top of that it's it's really a good match i'd say yeah um also i assume um in your case for the data privacy and these type of things as well because it's so important in, in science uh the internet computer protocol is have like a independent uh not providers, right? It means it's not in a centralized uh, server. It's not on Amazon Web Services or, or in Google Cloud. Uh, just in, in case, for example, if something happens or it's like a hack or, or any big problem, uh, at least on internet computer, your, your, your data is there. It's unmutable. It's uh, tamper-proof. Temper, temper no one can uh, steal the, the information. And, and that's that's 
honestly the the, the best way to save the the data uh and also uh did you value various blockchains you did like a, a like a score or like a a ranking and then it's like icp was the first one or or you have like directly this is the best blockchain or maybe you like have like other options and then decided for icp how it was that so yeah so, so when we oh go ahead we had we basically just made a pros and cons list of several chains ethereum and layer two is like optimism or polygon seem to be the de facto choices for blockchains um for like DeFi companies and you know Ethereum is great, but it's you know expensive. It's not very fast. Doesn't scale well, um, and so ICP was the clear choice because it just checked every box for us. And like you said, it even allows us to decouple ourselves from having to have a cloud provider essentially. And we were big proponents of a fully decentralized future for science, and ICP allows us to have that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, and then we are talking about um, blockchain, about science, but what is exactly Signet? <laughs> what is the value proposition of Signet? What is your vision? Uh, what problems try to solve uh, Signet in a nutshell, or at least like explain? For yeah. General so, Signet is sort of a an interesting entry into the world of DSI. Um, we, for example, are not a DAO right now. Maybe with the advent of the SNS, um, we, we will become one. But the, the goal is to use the Web3 technologies that are out there to enhance how science is done. So as I, I mentioned at the beginning, this time frame of how on average it takes 17 years for life sciences research to get out of the lab and into real life use, there is a whole host of underlying causes for that. Uh, up to this point, we've identified at least 18 causes that, that contribute to this delay. And so what we're doing now is trying to build software that address those underlying causes so that we can have um, an effect across that entire spectrum of 18 problems. Um, at first, before looking into this, I sort of assumed that it was the FDA that was causing this delay. It's a very common sort of um, right-wing political uh, comment to make that the FDA is just over-regulatory and that's why we don't have any innovation. And maybe there is like a small amount of truth to that, but as we looked into it, it's not even close to the biggest issue. And so we, once we started looking at all of these issues, the one that we saw that was probably the most straightforward to address were problems involved in funding. And overarchingly, we're trying to help scientists fund, conduct, publish, and commercialize scientific research, specifically life sciences research, with greater speed and accuracy than ever before. Uh, we want it to happen in months, not decades. And so we have to come up with ways to even create, you know, 10x improvements in those areas. And starting with funding, we're building a, a funding platform for life sciences research um, where 
we call it sci-fi for science finance and scientists can post up projects. They can submit projects to us that they can articulate rigorous underlying science, positive world impact and strong potential for commercialization. And after those projects get vetted, they're available for uh, the community to fund and receive tokenized assets in exchange for their support, like for example, royalty tokens. And we want to open that up to the ICP community first to be able to participate in those projects and then open it up even further afterwards. And, and what they'll receive when they receive those royalty tokens is essentially the right to receive a portion of the revenue generated by that science in the future. We have a lot more in the pipeline after that, but essentially it's a software ecosystem to try to solve a whole bunch of problems in life sciences research and make their lives better and make their work go faster. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think like um, nowadays uh, science uh, world and the science uh, business is like a monopoly, right? We have like a, a bunch of big, big companies uh, that they have their own research, their own laboratories. Uh, this no transparent is um, sometimes uh, honestly they don't interest to know all the information no to, to the population and maybe try to stop the advance of uh, research or just for business purposes right and and I think maybe the blockchain and sign it can also address this problem right it's, it's so transparent uh, is uh, uh, scalable uh, is for everyone. Uh, avoid all honestly all the manual processes um, uh, the trial and error investigations sometimes it's like miss report missing reports and, and uh, with maybe with a lot of years a lot of generations and then no one continues uh, this one and this is like a the, the, it's like a treasury right you you can save all the information there on the blockchain or internet uh, computer protocol and maybe uh, for like uh, any disease or illness, we don't have the answer now, or maybe not in 20 years, or maybe even not in, in 100 years, but the information is there. And maybe someone, any scientist in, in 2130 can <laughs> achieve or address or, or, or figure out how to solve this uh, illness or whatever. And this is honestly more than a blockchain, more than this is something for, for, for help the world, right? To, to, to achieve more things and, and help the people. That's amazing. Oh yeah, I agree entirely. And while our goal is to try to do as much as possible for that, so that it doesn't take a hundred years to, to solve a problem, the beauty of what we're doing is even if there are just some problems that are currently outside of the capabilities of, of the world at the moment, because it's on the blockchain and because it's a permanent record, uh, you're right, that will be there for somebody to use and and extract value from in a way that helps people someday in the future. And what you were saying about the companies, the big companies that sort of have monopolies, it's interesting because in the four categories that we talked about, again, funding, conducting, publishing, and commercializing, there are the, the big players in all of these categories. And their goals uh, I believe that there are people though, at those companies that have good intentions, um, but as sort of a, a business mission, their goals are not to solve the problem that we're trying to solve, which is try to make things happen as quickly as possible while still staying accurate and safe. 
And just as an example, in funding, uh, it's the federal grant process, at least in the United States, NIH and NSF pay for the vast majority of life sciences research that happens in the U.S. And um, the amount of grants are going up or the grant proposals, I should say, are growing up every year. And yet the award rate stays in the low 20%. And even though scientists have to spend up to half their time or sometimes even more just seeking these grants, they don't, hardly any of them actually get it. And they have extreme levels of scientific um, expertise in their field that's getting just wasted away on this other activity. And it's this giant system, as much help as it has been over the years in funding important scientific research that has become the very thing that is supposed to be enabling science has become the blocker for science in many ways. And the same thing happens in um, conducting research. There's just a current paradigm of either you use a physical lab notebook, uh, which ends up just sitting on somebody's shelf. We've had numerous interviews of, of PIs at different labs around the country where we see on their bookshelves behind them just lines and lines of, of physical lab notebooks. And one of them we asked, like, do you guys ever take those out? And he said, no, we never ever touch them. And that's just information that's locked away. And um, then for publishing, you know, you've got Elsevier and the other big uh, journal companies who prioritize sensational research and it what ends up happening is the most sensational research ends up being the least reproducible research in fact in the us alone life sciences research spending is there's 28 billion dollars spent on life sciences research spending in the us that is not reproducible and that is a result of again these institutions that ostensibly should be facilitating the research end up for some reason inhibiting it in many ways. So one bit, one tragic example of this is their Purdue Pharma issue with the opiate epidemic. Um, we've seen in research and in this real life example that there are perverse incentives associated with uh, industry funded research and there's also good things that come out of it, but in this case, it wasn't. Uh, there were millions of lives affected because of the falsification of, of information that they published in their own journals, which the FDA relied on uh, to make decisions about the safety of, of the drug, and it wasn't okay. And in the in research papers that we've reviewed, up to ninety, it shows that up to ninety percent of the time, when industries fund the research, the research ends up being favorable to whoever funded it. And that's like not a big surprise, but it is sad. And so when you're talking about these sort of monopolistic institutions that exist, it would be great if they had their massive resources out that they have at their disposal to try to solve these problems, but they don't. And so we have to. And just to clarify, that's $28 billion a year that is wasted on non-reproducible science. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Hank, what is exactly the, the technology behind Synet? Uh, we mentioned before about the blockchain, about the internet computer, uh, but how it works exactly, the Synet Cloud Laboratory, uh, how enhance laboratory workflows and, and this this type of, of things behind the scenes, because for sure Synet is, is a great project. And is the, the, the mission and the vision is pretty clear, but Behind the scenes is like a lot of work, a lot of technology, uh, and you are 
the expert in, in these things. How, how is exactly works and if you can explain a little bit more about uh, internet computer canisters or, or, or exactly the mechanism about uh, um, signing. Great question. So the digital R&D lab, which we're calling R&DNA at the moment, um, it's basically a massive data ingestion platform, all built on IC. So the back end consists of internet computer smart contracts. Um, we're also going to have an electronic lab notebook, which you can think about as like a more sophisticated tablet where you can write on it. Um, that's like geared towards note taking and conducting scientific research. And then there's that paired with other things like IoT devices and web applications that let you manage the data and you know your team permissions and monetization, things like that. So we actually haven't started developing that yet. That's more of what's next. But we are really excited to start that and we feel that um, it's going to fit really well with our current product that we're building, which is called Sci-Fi. So um, when that's done, scientists can just basically click a button and create an IP NFT uh, to monetize their data. Um, there will be several ways to do that uh, to actually facilitate the monetization. For instance, they can create royalty tokens and sell those. And so if you purchase one of these royalty tokens, then you're you're entitled to future revenue splits of revenues that are generated from the intellectual property. So that's just like one way to do it. Um, we're also planning to support uh, the creation of like scientific art as NFTs and allow scientists to, to fundraise that way as well. Um, but additionally, they can also sell licenses to use and access their intellectual property and even sell the whole IP NFT in its entirety. So really exciting stuff. We're stoked mm -hmm. to be here and to be building this. We feel like we are gonna make a big difference in the lives of many. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the, the tech in a nutshell. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's a good idea. The NFTs for sure, like monetize the content, monetize the research, uh, and also get investors involved is uh, another part. It's like more than uh, the, the tokenomics part of, of Signet, but it's, it's really important as well um, to create business and generate business for, for researchers and for the people that um, put the information and the research on, on the Signet uh, blockchain on internet computer. Um, the intellectual property that you mentioned is something uh, pretty complex, right? Because uh, uh, it's like a dichotomy between, okay, I want to share the data, but I want to protect the data, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> intellectual property. And this is really cool how the Signet managed these, these things and, and how like, Okay, this is transparent. This is transparent. We can share the data. We can monetize the data for everyone, for other projects, for other hospitals, for other labs, whatever. But by the other hand, uh, we need to ensure to protect the science and 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 help uh, the the researchers and scientists with the security of the blockchain of internet computer. 
how you manage this one, the intellectual property and, and the dichotomy between share and protect? Yeah, great question. So with our IP NFTs, we have the concepts of whitelists where we can whitelist certain principles um, that will effectively have access to view the intellectual property. Um, on top of that, if you if your wallet or your principal is associated with the IP NFT itself, you own it, right? So you can also view it, manipulate it, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's it's this relationship between the principal and the token itself, and you know the ownership therein. Mm -hmm. And um, also the science, scientist community is something pretty important for you. I know you are working as well in, in like a social media for scientists, for researchers. This is so cool. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to share more information or by now this is just like a project, but the scientific community, this is something amazing, right? Because we are like used to see like, okay, Instagram, TikTok, you know, memes, these type of things, but for sure scientists needs to share their knowledge. They have questions and maybe uh, in their lab, they can not solve the information, but maybe in the other part of the world, another uh, team are working on the same thing and maybe they have the solution and maybe they can work together, not only for, for share the, 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 the reports, also for work like maybe together, how you are trying to uh, achieve this or, or yeah. this problem. So this is a very important aspect of the the ecosystem that we're trying to build. It's the third DAP that we'll be building. Um, and we have sort of deliberately not fleshed out all the details on that just so that we don't get distracted with what we're we're building right now. Yeah. But the way it will fit into here is is to solve a few it, again, it we need to make sure that it's solving problems and and moving the, you know, the needle towards better research in general. And the two things that it's going to solve are here. One is we know that for every new research discipline that is brought to bear on a specific research question, there's a twenty percent increase in in how efficiently and quickly that research is done. And I can even send you the, pic the, the papers that are on that because I was so impressed to see that this is such a strong case for interdisciplinary research. The problem is interdisciplinary research is not prioritized by uh, most sources of funding. And that is an issue because it, it's, it's like you're, you're losing out on 20% of your effectiveness here. And so just that's building into the, to the ecosystem, a collaborative social media platform will help with this interdisciplinary issue. There are plenty of uh, institutions that are out there right now that have already figured out the value of this and they just changed their name. So I can't remember, but there's this organization where businesses submit problems to this community. And they specifically ask for people who are not in that industry to propose solutions because they've figured out that there is this element of not having the same preconceived notions as the people who are 
so deep into the trenches on that that they that they've they dismiss things that they think are are not worthy but that somebody who knows nothing about it but who might be a smart person is going to start from first principles again and that's the same value that you get in interdisciplinary research the the big poster child example that we are thinking about right now is the field of quantum biology and quantum biology is something that we learned about while talking to a researcher at UCLA who runs their quantum biology lab. And she's not a biologist. She is a quantum engineer. She has biologists on her team. But the, the cool thing is, is because of that intersection and fusion of their disparate areas of research together, it's, it's setting them on this path to be one of the massive major scientific revolutions in the world. Uh, and just here's a very small use case for it. Um, there are electromagnetic fields that are emitted by mobile devices like our cell phones. And they are working right now on the prospect of calibrating how those electromagnetic fields emit in order to increase the speed of wound healing. So you imagine you've got Samsung with Samsung Health or Apple with their version of that how how impactful it could be for just a software update essentially to be pushed out to those phones so that it will change what kind of field is being emitted or a worst case scenario in the next flagship phone they they have a different maybe slightly different hardware calibration and then in in parts of the world where healthcare is not great but cell phones are ubiquitous that could change lives. That could that could mean life and death. That could mean somebody being out of work for two weeks instead of a month and a half. And those things are 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 super important. And it's only happening because of interdisciplinary research. So that's one thing that it will be solving. The other thing is it's a perfect place to publish. You've seen publishing happen on social media and other places like LinkedIn with Pulse and things like that. And there's there's good precedent for doing that. And we think that it will be a way to help um, free scientists from being having this overbearing need to only publish things that they really think are going to get into the best journals or just publish whatever they can in order to get into whatever journal. Because if you don't publish, you perish in scientific research and you can't get grants. This way... They'll have access to a ready-made community of peer reviewers. We can deploy token incentives to solve a bunch of problems in peer review as well, um, which for many scientists is, is basically just a perfunctory activity and not really serving the purpose that it's supposed to, which is to make sure that the science is good. And so between those two things, three things I should say, the interdisciplinary and collaborative aspect of things, the, the new place to publish where scientists aren't going to have to spend $14,000 just to publish in nature, for example, so that other people can read it and solving problems in peer review. That's where this, this decentralized social media platform will, will be really effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but also I'm trying to put on the shoes of, uh, investors or, or the scientifics, um, for example, it's just like a, a real case. Okay, imagine I'm a, a, an investor, right? A VC or, or a business angel or whatever. And I see, uh, I realize like there is like a good lab, like they have uh, developing something pretty cool for like an illness or, or, 
or uh, whatever, and I want to invest in this project. By the other hand, this lab, they need funds. They, they, they try to raise funds and then they try to get people involved in the project because uh, they need more uh, um, staff, right, to, to help them to uh, improve and also to continue to investigate on their research. What is exactly the Synet uh, vision here? How Synet can uh, help uh, these, the, the, the scientists and the, the founders or the investors to connect together? Yeah, so there are three main ways that this can happen. And the first way is with our, our current DAP that we're building, Sci-Fi. This is where, um, you know, the way we currently envision it, the scientists can publish their research projects that they want to receive funding for to this platform and where the ICP community and then also the rest of the, the world can look at these projects that will have already been vetted and say, oh, I love that one. I think this one's cool or whatever. And then they can provide funding to them in order to help further their work. And that is the main mechanism to try to get the funding going. There are some other things as well that can happen down the road. For example, we're not trying to replace grant writing, but what we want to do is make it make there be more options. And you know, if we maybe even relieve some pressure on the grant writing, then the award rates for people who do still apply for grants will probably go up as well. And if we can improve the quality of publishing um, and the quality of published research and the quality of research being done, then people will have better track records and will have better likelihood of getting approved for those grants. So we're not saying grants should go away. We're just trying to solve some problems associated with how those grants work right now. And then finally, there are uh, ways to commercialize research even before the research is fully done that can bring money back into the lab in order to help them keep going and doing what they're doing. And like a very basic example is, is what Hank mentioned previously, which is the art. So say um, somebody finds something that's not even necessarily revolutionary, but just interesting uh, under the microscope. And so, you know, I actually have a, a research microscope in my basement because at one point I was thinking of setting up a, a DIY biology lab down there and I had my camera plugged into it so you can have pictures taken straight into the microscope and it's something that's done uh, much more sophisticated in the labs themselves. And so you, they can just snap a picture of that and pop off a, an NFT of that image or whatever and put it on on sci-fi uh, or, you know, anywhere. But um, we would like it to be on sci-fi eventually. And then people who think that that's interesting or cool or just, you know what, it's like a a way of, of patronizing that science by by buying the art in order to continue to help fund the, the research. That's another way that they can they can get funding in order to keep doing their work that they're doing. Aside from that, there's the licensing, which happens probably a little bit farther down the road once there's something that is actually usable by a company in one of their manufacturing processes or their their drug development processes or their medical device processes or what you know. The, it's such a wide range of things, but. Once there's something there that they could actually use and incorporate, then they can pay licensing 
fees to the scientists as well through sci-fi. Um, so we're definitely hitting that funding and financing from a lot of different angles. And the fact is that once you go through a couple raises on sci-fi, your project will probably at the point at that point where uh, you're going to be ready to talk to some VCs. And that is where the bigger bucks come in. And so this whole thing is designed to get them going so that they can jumpstart this phase that we call the valley of death that's is called in, in life sciences research where you you get a little bit of basic research done but then you can never get it into translation to the real world because of this one of the problems is because of this funding gap here which we're trying to fill so yeah okay i i want to like uh, ask you like two or three questions more funny questions related with internet computer but first, uh, Hank mentioned before about the, the NFTs and, and the, the, its NFTs incentives, the, the reward mechanism, and, the, and also you are mentioned now the different ways to uh, to finance uh, and fundraising money for for the, the projects. Um, what is the idea for the tokens you are going to? Because I, I assume that if it's on the blockchain, it's not like fiat. I assume like it's it's through like a uh, the NFTs is like an in ICP values. Also, we are launching the CKBTC, the chain key Bitcoin. Um, not sure if maybe your idea is more create like a, a new token, like sign a token for the future. Um, maybe this is like a pretty earlier stages for, for that, but I'm curious uh, what if you can share with us more information about the, the ideas. You mentioned also before like a DAO, maybe in the future, but in terms of tokenomics, uh, in terms of uh, the the money and, and if different investors want to invest in, in, in projects, they can do through like uh, ICP tokens or your idea is launch uh, a sign a token. So we're planning to start with ICP and then branch out to CKBTC and eventually USDC once the Ethereum bridge is implemented or we implement ECDSA ourselves. Mm -hmm. So theoretically, investors and scientists will have at least three and four potentially uh, options for fundraising, right? And yes, we are dancing around the idea of creating a DAO now and utilizing the SNS to create these DAO tokens Sign it tokens, SCIN, SCNT. We haven't really landed on um, our our ticker yet, but that's the idea. And yeah, so basically, this is kind of like the flow of how sci-fi works. Scientists come on the application, they make an account, they create a project. The project gets submitted for vetting. If it passes vetting, then it gets approved. At that point, the scientists can start the monetization process. And that looks like this. They can basically make their IP NFT. They um, add additional resources to the metadata for the IP NFT. So that could be like the link to the patent or like really any online documents um, that, um, that are public, right? That they want to associate with the IP. And then they upload their IP files. So the files can be like data sets, or the patent document itself, licensing agreements, things like that. And then finally they 
create their royalty tokens. And um, then they create rounds after that to sell batches of the tokens themselves. So they dictate like, all right, token's gonna be worth five ICP. This round's gonna have a thousand tokens. It's, it expires at this point and start the round. And at that point, recent, or excuse me, investors can come on and they purchase ICP from you know some other exchange like Coinbase. And we're gonna have a really easy, simple flow where they can, to top up their wallet, all they need to do is just click a button and they can buy ICP tokens or Bitcoin or whatever from Coinbase or other exchanges right in app. It's pretty nifty. And then those tokens get sent to their wallet. Once they're available, they can use them to purchase the NFTs. And then later down the line, the scientist sells any licensed tokens or actually sells and transfers the whole IP NFT. Then the revenues generated from those transactions get program programmatically split amongst the royalty token holders. And if the IP NFT gets purchased, then you know everybody gets paid out and then those existing tokens get burned. So that's kind of how it works in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There's there's a little more to, to it, unlike the RDNA side. We have some really cool ideas such as uh, forking research. So like, let's say, you know, I'm going on tangent now, but let's say you're a scientist and you did a bunch of work and then your research stopped, um, but you made your research public. And then I come along, I'm also a scientist. And I stumble upon your research. It's, you know, really awesome. And um, I want to use it. And what I can effectively do is, is fork that research into mine. And if I monetize my IP at all, and I used your data, then you would get a portion of my revenues. And that's all managed just programmatically by the smart contracts we'll have built in to the system. And again, this also helps solve a problem with data access and, and the big journals. Not that we're trying to make those journals go away, but institutions and individual scientists end up spending lots and lots of money just to access those much less regular people. Like I, I have to email scientists to ask them for copies of their papers because I can't get access to a lot of them because I can't pay for those, those journals and they'll send them to me. They like to share it, but they say, you can't, sorry, you can't share it with anybody else, but here, here's the copy. And so if, if there's other ways for this data to be visible, there were, you know, maybe there, there is going to be a some amount of like a, a nominal fee for accessing it, but it's nothing close to what it would be to go read the paper and then have to, you know, all the costs associated with being able to publish and access there. Um, so just another way we're solving that problem as well. <clears throat> and what do you mean that the NFTs, uh, your idea is like uh, trade the NFTs directly on Signet or, or support maybe on Entrepot or other uh, marketplaces for the NFTs or, or once uh, one project want to fundraise and, and get the, the NFTs for, for sell the NFTs or whatever. How, how, what is your idea about that? Put on, on the, any, any marketplaces or directly on the sign? Great question. So we are requiring KYC for our investors. 
And based on that, we feel that it's best to protect the investors and the researchers to only have the trading and the, the listing on sci-fi, at least to start until we have more um, like compliance mm -hmm. to the platform. So we, yeah, if it's on Entropot, like, you know, we can't trust that those users yeah. um, have facilitated KYC, essentially. And it's not that we don't have, it's, we don't have like a specific distrust of the ICP community, for example, but in order to, and it's, and it's not about like forcing everything to stay on our ecosystem, though that does kind of give us some somewhat of an economic moat there, which is helpful. But the, the big point is that because of the, the, the massive impacts that this science can have, we don't want to have them experience some things that could taint that science. For example, just, I can only imagine what kind of scandal would be caused if, uh, North Korea, for example, had used some kind of state actor company or person to funnel money through our platform. It touched a bunch of these scientific projects, but in the meantime, they were laundering their money and all kinds of things like it would taint the research. It would taint our reputation, um, much less if it was like a terrorism financing thing or what have you. So we just have to make sure those kinds of things don't happen or do do what we can to, to make sure that those things don't happen. And I'm certain that as the ubiquity of ICP dApps in general increases, that things like th that the other um, DEXs that are on there will start implementing uh, certain kinds of KYC as well. And when that happens, it will be less of a concern for us. But for now, we wanna protect the scientists and we do that by implementing KYC. And we also want to protect the investors. So we do due diligence on the scientists and their projects as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Have sense. And as remind me like uh, the same of the tainted Bitcoin, right? And now in the CKBTC, Definity team and also Tonic Labs are working on the know YT, know your transaction. And directly, hmm. uh, one canister uh, in the CKBTC is connected directly with uh, chain analysis and other providers. Now it's a little bit centralized because um, for sure it's like a private companies, but the idea is find in the future like uh, any provider similar to chain analysis, but on chain. And uh, this is this is really cool. They pay like 50 th uh, cents just for have the information. And it's, it's a way to avoid tainted Bitcoin, right? Like uh, for, for terrorism or something bad, like uh, money uh, money laundering about the, the Bitcoin. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's something like similar, but related with, with NFTs. That's interesting. I hadn't heard about that, that part of the project. I'm actually going to look into that. Because uh, it's, I think that's important, but I also don't think it really is a negative thing to to utilize a uh, somewhat centralized part of your, you know, process. the The whole point of HTTP out calls, which I thought was an excellent development done by uh, Definity on the Internet Computer, is to be able to access resources that are not on chain, and um, the 
if you if you just like have this on-chain only fundamentalism, then it's gonna have a lot slower progress because there are services that are out there right now that do a pretty good job that can fill gaps, at least in the short and medium term until blockchain singularity is achieved, right? So I have no issues with it. I mean, we're we're considering using and do use some off-chain technologies in the short term. That is, they're just a way for us to make sure that we get things done. And when we can do it on-chain, then we will. And I think that's okay too. Yeah, and we are naive, naive if we think uh, everything on the decentralized way and everything on the blockchain can solve all the problems, right? We, we live in a world, in a democracy, with government, with a lot of uh, barriers, and it is what it is, right? Uh, it's not uh, easy just chain web two to web three, and okay, everything is on chain, everything is... No, right? We, we need to, uh, and sometimes uh, these type of centralized entities can change the mind of the population, right? If someone said like on chain analysis, for example, or in other centralized entities, no, but CKBTC is tainted, right? CKBTC and Definity and ICPs try to, um, you know, like avoid pay taxes or the money is like, uh, it's dirty money, right? And it is what it is and we need to- So how do we avoid paying taxes? <laughs> we need to try to collaborate together. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting point, right? Uh, this one uh, and the way that you are trying to solve is similar, and it's, it's a, an interesting idea. Okay, and then just for for finish uh, the the conversation, this super interesting conversation with the founders of Signet. Um, I'm curious if you are a years gang. It means if you uh, have ICPs and stake it for eight years. Be honest with me, please. I have not staked any ICP okay. just because I need it to be liquid mm -hmm. for the company. That's good. Yeah. That's good I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat and I did try to do some recently actually though, but I use Kraken for my purchases and they just shut down ACH transactions last week. In fact, I tried to bring some over for that exact purpose. And then they sent me an email saying, Hey, that did you didn't actually bring any money in because we have shut down ACH transactions. I don't know the story behind why they're doing that because that seems kind of crazy that they won't do ACH transactions, but maybe there's some regulatory thing that they're dealing with right now. But um I am like fully on board with the idea of that. And in fact, we when we do have a token, we will also uh be doing different things to make sure that people hold those tokens uh, for a long time because we want to make sure that there are no just dumps that happen. It it's, it's a tragic thing that can, when people who sort of believe in the vision of what you do and they kind of go all in and then somebody else comes along and pumps and dumps and we don't want that to happen on our token. We don't want it to happen in ICP. And so like we're all about it, but we just haven't been able to yet. Yeah. Anyways, if you stay for six months or eight years, best way, <laughs> sorry, <clears throat> best way is do it in in the NNS, right? In the network nervous system, uh, in the DAOs of internet computer. It's more secure, and you avoid things that you mentioned about cracking or other uh, centralized blockchains. Uh, you need to buy there, but then transfer to your wallet to the NNS or 
any other call wallet for sure. Uh, another question. Are you using any DAP on, on an internet computer? Are you using open chat or network nervous system or, or district, discover? I know you're pretty active in, in district, Jordan, uh, and discovery as well. Uh, yeah, I'm pushing, getting there. You're using other DAPs, like video games or whatever. Yeah, yeah so, so I'll let Jordan talk in a second about, uh, you know, social things, but going to give a shout out to CycleOps and CanScale. We're currently using CanScale to scale our canisters, and we're going to use CycleOps to essentially maintain them and keep them topped up. Ooh, nice. Also, we are using NFID, right, for, for identity management as well, um, and they've been definitely good, good collaborators. Um, we are we're very interested in any DApps that we can use and work together on building what we're building. Um, we have also contributed to the ecosystem as well with our admittedly alpha version of um, <laughs> the word is escaping me. The search. Oh, the Elasticsearch. Uh, yeah, Elasticsearch functionality, which is uh, very important for, for people to be able to search on their dApps or within the ecosystems that they use. Uh, we'll be having launching a, a like a more developed version of that after we finish this grant and make that available to, to the community as well. I have just been also using a lot of the socials that are on there. Um, our first big blog post that we posted on Medium about uh, some of the problems in, in how grants currently work. We also uh, syndicated that to Nuance, um, which is uh, one of the big blogging sites on the ICP. Um, I've been working with Discover just in the past few days to get set up to create a DSI portal uh, as a place for the adherents of DSI, however they happen to be on ICP, can start to have a place to like collaborate. Um, trying to wrap my social media skills around Web3 social, which it has been a little bit of an adjustment for me, but I'm, I'm getting there. So uh, Discover and District primarily there. Um, so those are the, those are the ones that we're using right now. Cool. Yeah, you are so engaged with the ICP community, not only with Signet, with other projects. As you mentioned, CycleOps, Kinescale, NFID, uh, Discover, District, Nuance. That's that's really cool. Uh, I'm happy to see like uh, other projects uh, are collaborating right together between between yours. And that's that's really cool. Okay, yeah, thank you so much. That's all. Uh, it's a really, really interesting conversation with the founders of Signet, Jordan Smith and Hank Brigham. Uh, not sure if you want to share just your last thoughts with the community about Signet or about ICP. I do, I do have one last thought. Um, you know, we talk a lot about like money at Signet and getting money to the scientists, funding, revenue, commercialization. And it sometimes may come across as uh, like that's the whole point, and and it really isn't. However, but we have it's not some real like 
leap in insight for us to see that economic incentives go a really long way towards accelerating things. And that's why venture capital exists because they, like the whole point of venture capital is to, to generate extremely fast growth and progress in a certain company or industry or what have you. And we don't want to cheapen science by making it about money, but we definitely know that funding and commercialization are critical to having this massive acceleration of science that we're trying to, to, to bring to pass. So I just want to throw that out there that it's not about being money hungry or anything like that, but we just know that it's, it's a necessary thing and we want to, to, to make sure that that happens. Um, you know, we, we have a revenue model for our business and we expect to, to generate revenue, but it's, it's again, a mission based thing for us. And, and we want anybody who has a similar mission or who loves our vision to reach out to us and talk and, and see how we can work together. Mm -hmm. well, thank you for the last talk. Frank, any other comment? Yeah, I'll just close by saying that, you know, there was the industrial revolution in the late 1800s. And now we're trying to incept the scientific revolution, which is really just an acceleration of all of our current processes. Um, so yeah, we welcome anyone who wants to be part of it. Great, awesome. Okay, thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Hank, for your time. Founders of Signet, it's a real pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one.